welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Welcome to this week's Twin Talk Empowerment episode. We know our influence. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do we? Do we? We're trying to know it. We should. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> Goals, people. Yes. Okay, so what's our feature for this week, Han? It's nice to start out with a little feature, something to get our minds going and um, open up the topic from another author or writer or podcaster or something. Um, your husband, Justin, mm. recommended today's feature. What is it? By David Foster Wallace. Ooh. It is his 2005 commencement speech to the graduating class at Kenyon College. I remember Justin saying he's quote unquote full of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I remember really liking David Foster Wallace's essay book, maybe in like 2008. I remember listening mm-hmm. to it and just sobbing on a cross country drive. Uh, Consider the Lobster mm-hmm. was the, the book. It was so good. Well, this speech is called This is Water. Okay. And it's a wonderful. Like we sh- we recommend reading or listening to the entire one. We'll have it in the show notes. But um, I just wanted to read a little excerpt that grabbed my attention. Um, but you recommend full immersion as always? I do. Yeah. Okay, okay, here we go. 20 years after my own graduation, I've come gradually to understand that the liberal arts cliche about teaching you how to think is actually shorthand for a much deeper, more serious idea. Learning how to think really means learning how to exercise some control over how and what you think. It means being conscious and aware enough to choose what you pay attention to and to choose how you construct meaning from that experience. Mm. Because if you cannot exercise this kind of choice in adult life, you will be totally hosed. (laughs) Think of the old cliche about the mind being an excellent servant, but a terrible master. Mm. And this reminded me of today's empowerment um we know our influence this idea that we don't want our kids to just do what we say all of the time well that'd be nice sure but but the risk with that (laughs) which we've read about and studied quite a bit is that then they just know what to think and not actually how to think and we want to teach them how to think we don't want to teach them just what to do but why to do it or not do it and that takes a lot of fucking work and that takes a lot of awareness and a lot of patience and that's why this is one of our empowerments right yeah i'm excited to listen to the whole thing because i feel like justin talked about it as having a lot of like rolling themes of like freedom Mm -hmm. and truth and power and pain and consciousness and adulthood and I feel like coming into this whole parenting thing I'm like re-entering my post-graduate phase in a in a new way being like here's this new thing how can we ditch our hardwired default settings that don't do a service anymore and I mm-hmm. think that the the speech is a lot about that mm-hmm. so I'm really excited about it this grand opportunity that we have a lot more power in our own lives than we even think and then when you translate that to parenting of that power How much do we want to be exerting on ourselves? How much do we want to be sharing or giving to our children? How does that dynamic work? And how is it going to serve us and them and our family best? 
All right. Know? Well, let's uh, dive into this empowerment. So okay. our empowerments are basically, if this is your first episode listening to them, are 12 sort of like mantras or touchstones. And they're reminders that really inspire authentic alignment between what we believe and what we do. Mm-hmm. We don't do them all the time. No. They're, <laughs> like we said, reminders. Yeah. Um, and we basically made like kind of a laundry list of all the hardest parts of parenting and then worded these empowerments as reminders for us in how to lovingly engage with and accept those challenging aspects of being a parent instead of over-controlling our kids mm-hmm. or having freakouts all the time. Yeah, I mean, that idea that we talk about sometimes about that that ugh, pit of our stomach the feeling, discomfort, that yeah. discomfort feeling, just being an informational ding that maybe we have something to work on. Not that we're bad people, not that we've done anything wrong, <clears throat> but that there's work to be done in that area so that we can just feel good because feeling good feels good and that's where we should be as often as possible. Yeah, but I think all of them really are reminders to respond instead of react Mm -hmm. and they're just parts of building a greater awareness for us so Mm -hmm. we know our influence i'm going to read what we have on our website page for the empowerments okay go cal the way we move through the world affects our kids development more than anything we can explicitly teach them when we choose to model positive behaviors instead of over controlling our kids we're all growing up together Mm. i'm gonna say Mm. It sounds a bit laid back to me. <laughs> Don't even go there. <laughs> it's a bit of a sore subject. It is. Kelty has a soft spot. I mean, we both do, but I feel like Not this is spot. really... Sore spot. Sorry, like, sore spot. Um, about you being a little soft in the parenting oh, department. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I feel like some of our friends... Um, I wouldn't say close friends. Well, even a couple of close friends yeah, have we said, love them. We love them. commented here and there, wow, you are such a laid back parent. Wow. And what does that mean to you when someone says a laid back parent? I'm not always sure it's a compliment. Mm -hmm. It it feels like there's a slight edge to it. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay. Or confusion. uh, Yeah, (laughs) confusion, really. I'm complimenting that this is being approached in sort of a cool way, but I'm wondering how you get anything done and why you're kind of throwing, maybe throwing these other important things to the side in your approach. And are you raising little selfish (laughs) ruffians? There, there's a lot of, you know, kind of there, there's potential judgment in there. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think, yeah, I just worry that they're thinking Ugh. <clears throat> laid back means permissive. Yeah. Complacent. No rules or boundaries. Yeah. Is that true, Kelty? Do no, you think well, you're think a laid back parent? I am laid back, but I think it's because I choose to wield my power differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that well, some, knowing our influence means knowing our power, it right? It does. And mm-hmm. I think that some some people we know might see me not doing a lot of things that they do. So they're like, wow, you're laid back because you're not doing X, Y, Z, such as cueing pleases and thank yous mm-hmm. or stopping my kids from getting dirty or making a mess or requiring certain number of bites at meals or different foods. Um, I don't insist they go to the bathroom at certain times or places if they're not ready or wanting to. I don't censor language and expression of big feelings. Mm-hmm. I don't create consequences for misbehavior caused by big feelings or dysregulation. So what do so, you do? What? <laughs> what do I do? Okay. Number one, I keep my kids safe. 
on their own and from each other mm-hmm. as so the you're outside not a, world. So let's, you're not a negligent parent. No, I'm not. Okay. But that's what laid back is like, you're like a laid back negligent parent. That's how it feels sometimes for sure. Um, and other than keeping, what are you doing? I'm closing a bug in here. Sorry. Oh, okay. I don't want it to jump on me. You go we're talking. Um, so other than keeping my kids safe and you do this too, hand, so stop trying to make it sound like I'm objectifying you a little bit just for the okay. purpose of this talk. So, okay. So, but I think it does bug me more, no pun intended from the bugging thing, mm-hmm. bug me more than it does you, but mm-hmm. yeah, you have more uptight friends. I'm sorry. Ha ha. <laughs> um, instead of keeping them safe or in addition to keeping my kids safe, mm-hmm. I also kind of help them understand through sensitive support and direct experience, which I think we'll discuss later, Mm -hmm. how to build their own values and habits around those things that we'd normally dominate or control, Mm -hmm. you know, what they say and do, that kind of thing. Gratitude and social skills. Yeah. Messiness versus cleanliness. Mm -hmm. Nutrition. Bathroom readiness. Respectful communication. Emotional regulation. A lot of behaviors, but (sighs) underneath those behaviors, values, beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's what I feel compelled to say to those people who are like, you're so laid back as in you're permissive and you're sitting there instead of jumping on and controlling in a good way or typical way, typical way, mm-hmm. um, what to do. And I want to be like, I'm trusting, I'm respecting, I'm doing these other things. Mm-hmm. That's what I like feel compelled to say. But I think we're going to end up talking about how we're working to help our kids learn and support their learning experience, but without dominating or controlling the process it is a very fine line yeah it does look a little laid back but yeah i think that working on our influence and supporting this as a skill is really the invisible work of parenting it's mm-hmm. like it's a superpower it is i don't think we recognize it enough as right. the power that it is so what is the power really of knowing our influence the power is modeling yeah and i think most most listeners probably have a general idea of what modeling is, but you know, our cousin mentioned the other day, she was like, I think you should define modeling because some of my friends wouldn't know what that is. Um, how would you define modeling, Cal? Modeling is basically how, or the way in which we move through the world while others watch. Mm-hmm. And, may- and they may be learning and listening and absorbing mm-hmm. while they watch. So yeah. that makes me think of Susan Stiffelman in her book, Parenting Without Power Struggles, mm. where she says, live like your kids are watching because they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is totally, t- <laughs> I mean, whether or not we think we're modeling, it's happening. And our kids are learning quite a fucking bit from everything that we're saying and doing. Yeah, no conscious, pressure. Conscious and unconscious. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think that's sort of the thing is, is this a burden or is this an opportunity? Is like a huge question going into the whole modeling and influence conversation, mm-hmm. you know? Can I read a little piece from her book? I kind of like the way she wrote this. Okay. The camera is always rolling. Mm. Our children are always watching. They watch us thank a stranger for holding a door open for us. They watch us grip the steering wheel, cursing at the red light. They watch us drop money into the Salvation Army bucket. They watch us gossip to one friend about how boring another friend is. They watch us when we express our loving care to an aging uncle. They watch us when we complain about how fat we are or how impossible it is to lose weight. They watch us when we make arrangements for dinner deliveries to a neighbor who isn't feeling well. They watch when we blame our spouse, our boss, or them when things aren't going right in our world. They watch when we make mistakes and apologize, and they watch when we don't. The cameras are rolling 24-7. Our kids are constantly watching, whether we are aware of it or not. (laughs) I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I think we have this idea that 
I'm parenting when I choose to be parenting. And the rest of the time, I'm just living my life. Yeah, it's just you know, me. I can't be yeah. parenting 24-7. But that's the thing. Parenting and being in a relationship with someone, you are exerting your influence. You're modeling. You're affecting this other person 24-7. How are you going to do it is yeah, the question. Exactly. Yeah. How do we want to go about this? Um, I don't want to get too... I feel like this whole power thing is a really big one for you. I've been doing a lot of reading on it lately. And I think that in our dominant cultural paradigm, including mainstream parenting, it is very common to exert our power as parents, as um, partners, as bosses, as anything um, by using control. And that is a very typical way to use power. Power and control kind of are almost synonymous. Mm-hmm. If you're in power, then you've got to use that control. If no one wants boss, to be out of control, right? right? Don't want to be out of control. Yeah. If you're in power, your responsibility is to control those beneath you. That is the idea that we've grown up with. That is what we see in so many different scenarios in our world. But the problem is that that is a very archaic and patriarchal view and it doesn't have to be that way and in fact it actually disempowers people um when we do that including our kids well i feel like the point is really that we have this opportunity to consider how we use our power Mm -hmm. and how control serves us and our kids or whoever we're interacting with you know Mm -hmm. what it perpetuates what it models and the influence it might actually create like what do kids learn about themselves when we control them you know, the what's the quality of our lives when we control? Yeah. And I think that just this the idea of this episode is to just open our minds a little bit and think about the idea that we don't have to go about the usual ways of gaining compliance, of being the top dog, of being the one in charge. In a Having similar power, way to our side-by-side episode. Right. Yeah. Having power doesn't mean we have to control. We do not have to do that. There are other powers that we can be doing, like our four powers we talk about. Respect, connect, innovate, and trust. Those are other powers that are very unpatriarchal, that that allow a side-by-side relationship, that allow growth and learning, that allow respect and joy uh, in a way that control doesn't. So I'm bringing up this idea of control because I think that it is truly the opposite of positive modeling. It is it is a, a fixed, um, immediate about changing this other person it is it is kind of based in a belief and i'm not going to get into this too much but it's a it's based in a belief that our job is to build our kids that it's based in fear that they're not good enough that they're incapable that they're inferior and that's a lot of pressure you know we were talking about wow this modeling thing's a lot of pressure but the the need and and desire and responsibility to control is not so fun either (laughs) and this other idea, this power of modeling that we're going to be talking about today is based in a be- the opposite belief. It's in a belief that our children are incredibly capable, that they're inherently unique and good, that um, it's based in a model of trust rather than fear. And that leads us to, to model, to, to work on our own stuff, to connect. I see it as a win-win where I see control as kind of a lose-lose. Mm-hmm. So that's my little bit okay, on, so, on the opposite of modeling. Well, I feel like you could go a little more. Like, why is modeling so awesome? Why is recognizing our influence through modeling positive? 
Well, I think it's practical first. I think that mm-hmm. it's developmentally appropriate. Kids and most people learn implicitly through our actions, through experiences. They do not learn as well explicitly through instruction. Most Especially when they're like telling a kid or information trouble. or yeah. saying something, they will not learn as well and understand the world as well as just seeing something happen or being a part of something. You know, I think there are great strides in education happening now and have been for a long time. This research on how people learn best. It's not through sitting on their butts and listening to someone talk at them. It's through getting in there with their hands, doing it um, and learning through that experience or watching people actually perform whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I think that modeling is practical in itself because it, it, it actually gets through to children in a, in a faster, more direct and deeper way than any other instruction we could technically do. My biggest thing about modeling is that it's just more respectful than mm-hmm. controlling. It, it reminds me that I need to be honoring the journey of my kid, their uniqueness, you know, and it sort of like busts that whole hierarchical nature mm-hmm. um, and just equals it all out, you Does know, it and take like some pressure off for you. It absolutely does. It takes, are you going to smush that bug? I don't know. Okay. Um, it just takes a bunch of things off my job description, which I think a lot of our episodes are talking about being like, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. You don't have to do any of those things. Okay. But then what do I do? Let's That's very scary. Our energy to <laughs> yeah. really the four powers ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it just, it, it builds trust and it builds a relationship yeah. in a respectful way. Control usually tends to pit us against them. Yeah. It creates power struggles. It creates distrust or mistrust, you mm-hmm. could say, when we try to control our kids or c- try to control anybody, anybody in our office, our partner, anybody. Most yeah. people don't respond too well to control because I certainly don't. A, a sense of true self-fulfillment comes from a feeling of being empowered and being capable and having agency in our lives Feeling valued. and being controlled yeah. does not help anybody feel good. And typically they don't respond well to that. So, yeah. um, modeling is a way that is a, a, a lot more passive, a lot more fluid, a lot more side by side, right? And more nuanced. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about this a lot. It takes so much more effort, but, and that's why I get so pissed off when people are like, you're so laid back. And I'm like, I'm working so like, hard. I am being the perfect model right now. I'm and working so, and yeah. it's not even like modeling sounds like I'm just doing it myself and mm-hmm. hopefully they'll notice. And it's not even just that we have a, a long list of things that we can be doing. Modeling is supporting essentially instead of controlling. Yeah. I just don't love the word support. It, that also just seems not strong enough. Yeah. Uh, we're all just geared toward this idea of control as the ideal as the responsible thing to do, as the powerful thing to do. How can we be powerful and model? And not disempower our kids. Right. Really. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to undermine their power. But I feel like this whole modeling thing sort of began as like a tool mm-hmm. to change our kids. We're like, okay, so we don't want to over control. So let's just model. Let's consciously be like, hey, I'm going to brush my teeth because this is so fun. Oh, I love broccoli. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we started off in these more sort of overt, Mm -hmm. conscious methods of modeling, Mm -hmm. which is still like a subtle form of control. We're not, you know, doing anything over the top or manipulation a little bit. And we didn't say anything that was disingenuous. I love broccoli. Brushing my teeth feels good. These are all true things. I might have been lying a little about that. But we are saying that. (laughs) But we are saying that 
in a conscious, aware way in front of our kids so that they can hear these types of things rather than be told them because we know that doesn't work as well. Yeah. That's kind of how it began though, and right? Maybe that's a spectrum for everybody. Like mm-hmm. some kids you could say, brush your teeth because it's good for you. And my kids would be like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. And other kids would totally do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's kind of a spectrum in that way. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it felt good as we began to see results from our kids, you know, from these more conscious attempts well, at influencing their habits and behaviors and values. And, and yeah. Sure. But I think that with that growing awareness in using ourselves and our behaviors and words and things our our like experience of the world as a way as a tool as you said Kel mm-hmm. we were also seeing some of the less desirable results of our unconscious influences like, like using our phones too much for example oh yeah i remember when i sat down to read a book with laszlo and he had like a little calculator he'd stolen from your house one of those little like oh, old school ones uh-huh. and he like had it with him and he set it down face down on the carpet and then he partway through the book, partway through the it? book, grabbed it and looked at it and put it back down again. Oh. And like that's, I did that because I wanted to see what time it was. That's my phone or that's my clock. But still, the power of that was like bone shaking to me, where I was like, "Oh my god!" Like he sees me do that enough that he's actually doing it. It's not just that he understood what I was doing or saw it and experienced that with me. He's actually he is re. Um, He's recreating that moment. Yeah. Literally. I feel that way sometimes when when my daughter yells at my son, she's like, stop, stop. And Uh it triggers me because I'm like, that's how I handle things in my less like desirable moments. I just scream stop. Yeah. At one of them, you know? Yeah. I feel like there were moments too where we see within ourselves and with others, like in public randomly, that we are very hypocritical in a lot of ways where we have mm. these moments where we choose to be, you know, modelicious for our kids mm. to get to a, a, a means to an end or a beha- promote a behavior or a value. But then other times when we're not paying attention and not in a moment of self-awareness, we can be kind of hypocritical, like being like, stop talking or be quiet. And like, we're yelling and telling them to be quiet. Like, yeah, it doesn't quite make sense. Like, be respectful. And yeah. you like barking at them. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I see a lot of that, like at, at stores and stuff. Yeah. Um, but that can be, you know, that can probably create quite a bit of dissonance for kids in the learning department. And I think it brings us to this idea of the way that we behave is the way our kids understand the, you know, a general way to work in the world. And that, as we said at the beginning, that is a lot of responsibility. That feels, it can feel a little overwhelming, right? I think just in general, the idea that we have that much power over our kids and that what can we be doing to train them, to to raise them, to grow them, to mold them, that kind of reminds me of the same belief of the control thing that we were talking about that we don't want to do, which doesn't feel that great. It's still a lot of effort to be like, hmm, how can I get them to like toothbrushing? And we all need to be aware of the ways that we can be encouraging and supporting and doing that. But there has to be something more to this modeling thing. Yeah. I think that was sort of our phase two realization was like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're using it sort of as a tool. It's we're getting some good results. Like our kids are saying, please. And thank you. We've never demanded it, Mm -hmm. prompted them, asked it. Sometimes when they're trying something new, they're like, "Mm, my taste buds don't like this today or yet. 
that's pretty cool instead of like that's disgusting I'm never going to eat that again that's because we're modeling the fl- the fluidity of mm-hmm. the taste exploration right, rather than saying you don't like that yeah or I hate broccoli like I got so mad at my father-in-law when he said he hated mushrooms because yeah. then all of a sudden my daughter started saying I hate mushrooms or I hate whatever where we'd never really use that black and white fixed thinking of once I try a food, I'm never going to try it again. Yeah. Don't get me started on this. Yeah. But that idea that some of our influence, some of these modeling techniques have really felt good to us and seem to work pretty well for our kids. Awesome. Yeah. But beyond using modeling as a tool to change our kids. Well, I think we, yeah, yeah. we started realizing that it was changing us. I'm like, yeah. all of a sudden realizing, wow, I'm eating a lot more vegetables because I'm in the effort that my kids will see me eating vegetables. I just reminded myself why it's so important to do this along with my child. Yeah. yeah. I'm brushing my hair more. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying please and thank you all over the place. I'm apologizing to my husband in the middle of the kitchen where maybe I would have, you know, gone off in a huff and been annoyed a little longer but, but hand you have that awareness that maybe they're listening and they saw that you guys were snippy at each other and you can circle back in front of them and say i feel like we were you know a little abrasive to each other yeah. i'm sorry that can i give you a hug but, or whatever but literally this modeling thing is we can think of it as this pressure and this huge responsibility or we can think of this as this opportunity to elevate our game not just for our kids but for us right yeah I think it's really changing that perception of this is about getting a skill mastered or Mm -hmm. this is a box to check off. Mm -hmm. This is a prescribed thing to get them to be respectful or whatever it is. And think more about how this is the greatest gift that we can give our kids, which is to grow up ourselves, to Mm -hmm. behave in a way that reflects our authentic spirit, our journey to self-discovery and fulfillment. And that's the, the best thing we can do because that shows them that they can find their, their own way to those things. Yeah. You know, it's really just conscious parenting, conscious living. Like, well, And that's the thing, I think, from phase one to phase two is that we thought that we wanted to prescribe certain things like broccoli or yeah. like toothbrushing. And we we're using it in a very limited, fixed context. And I think as we've been moving through this, we're beginning to, to understand that what we need to be doing and what feels really great is just to be living a life that we believe in and that resonates with us with self-awareness and joy and and discovery not modeling a right answer but just our journey where we fuck up where we enjoy something where something bothered us and just bringing them along on that experience to say this is who i authentically am and guess what i'm gonna honor and support who you authentically that, are not to big, create a mini that's me the big thing is saying <laughs> yeah. is recognizing that you're not buddha on the mountaintop mm-hmm. and you're and you find ways to represent what you're experiencing and what you value as personal to you that might not be personal to them mm-hmm. oh that's your opinion this is my opinion oh i like that right now you don't like that right now, mm-hmm. you know? So you're, you're modeling something you like and care about and value, which maybe they'll pick up on. And you're also modeling open-endedness, open-endedness, mm-hmm. flexibility that we're all different diversity, all that great stuff. Yeah. But I like, that's kind of this idea of modeling is that modeling isn't just do, doing this prescribed thing. We can model in so many different ways. Yeah. What are some examples we can model in perspective taking, for example, Perspective taking isn't a one right answer. Okay, well, it's a let's, skill. Let's give a scenario really quick. Like such a common scenario here about another mm-hmm. podcast is the whole kind of gratitude thing or manners mm-hmm. thing, which is 
a really common struggle for parents. Mm-hmm. Like, why doesn't my kid, we've talked about this in other episodes mm-hmm. a little bit, say, please, thank you, I'm sorry. It's my job as their parent. I'm the one with the power. I'm the one in charge. Therefore, I need to instill this value by essentially controlling what they say and when to instill this so habit of value. Insisting right. on it. Exactly. Right. Or, or coaching through it or suggesting right. or whatever. Yeah. However I, you want to go about it. Totally. And so if we're going to be doing that through modeling, let's say our child, this is a, a tough one from mm-hmm. for birthdays coming up. I've been thinking about it because... Mm-hmm. We'll be like sitting there and someone gives my kid a beautiful gift and she's just sort of staring at it. And it makes me feel like a shithead that my kid is not saying thank you or... And the mainstream parenting way would be to expect that. And then right. to stand up is to so say, what do you like say? They just gave you a thing. What do you say to them? Mm-hmm. And from my experience in, in even tiptoeing into those demands, it makes it even harder for my child to be forthcoming with their feelings in the moment. And I feel, I don't know, that that these other ways of supporting them through this transition and and recognizing that I can influence their understanding, a deeper understanding and value in the process. Rather than know. controlling the superficial behavior. Right. So yeah. what would we, so with that situation, what would we say? I would say something. Or what are some like, things we would do? I would I would observe model by observing. And I'd say Wilder, you're looking at the gift. You're you're checking it out. Wow, I'm wondering what you're thinking right now. And then I like let that sit for a second. So I, I'm kind of cueing the other person. This is what Wilder's experience is. Just mm-hmm. so you know, in case you're expecting a thank you, something else is going Two on. Later. Sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I would look to the person and say, "Wow, that is so thoughtful." Thank you so much for bringing whatever, or for making that, mm-hmm. or for giving that to Wilder. You know, and so you're modeling the 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 exchange or whatever it is, and then even past that, you might say oh. something like, "Wilder, I'm going to go give them a hug to thank mm-hmm. them for this. Come along if you want to do it." Yeah, and I just offer an option to come along, but no pressure, right? And I would show that, like, when I'm really happy and grateful for something, I give that person a hug mm-hmm. or whatever. And then after, you know, you'd maybe mention to Wilder, you know, or ask some questions. Where do you think they got it? You know, how long do you think they worked wrapping that? Mm-hmm. You know, and explore and perspective take. Why do you think they chose blue instead of pink? So that she can understand and imagine, put herself in their shoes, see the witness, the effort, consider, and really get a deeper understanding of what it was. And then yeah. maybe you can model being like, I'm writing some thank you cards to these people because I want them to know how much I loved these gifts. For, or story for tell. When I, when I was yeah. your age, I got this present from so-and-so and you just soup it up a little bit. Be like, I jumped up and down and I gave them a huge hug and said thank you because it felt so good knowing that they cared about me and they went through that thoughtful process and whatever. So how many does things that sound laid back to you? Yeah. There's a question for you. No, that does not sound okay. laid back. That sounds really <laughs> like extensive to give uh, I mean I or think you could just say say thank you right and that's it right and the big the big question here is I think a lot of people would say wow that's you doing a lot of work for your kid who's just gonna say well mom will always do all this for me mm. this is gonna I allow like one of our me friends brought this to up. sit back and not do anything are you just doing all their hard work for them right and we said no because this requires this trust and it requires a supportive scaffolding of their skills and their understanding. And we believe that kids will do things when they're fucking ready and when they actually feel good and um, motivated internally 
and intrinsically rather than from an outside source. We want our kids to say thank you because they believe it, because they understand it, because they feel it rather than just because that's exactly what you should do. And PS, or, or because someone I mean, snaps their fingers and then they say it. Right. We don't want to undermine hard. that deeper value and that deeper understanding at the expense of what it looks like when the our four-year-old But that is so hard something. because yeah. it's the, the, the social element to it, the embarrassment mm-hmm. of it is a really tough one. When, We're going when, the, grandma, mainstream when the grandma is yeah. looking at you like, why isn't they? Why aren't they saying thank you? Mm-hmm. Or wow, they rammed me with a shopping cart. Why aren't they apologizing? Mm-hmm. Or whatever it is, and we have to just reprioritize and know that we're on track and that we're doing the right thing and that we can be supporting in that way, both them and the situation at hand until I mean, they I can do we it can themselves. do a whole episode on like why we shouldn't demand apologies, yeah, or request apologies, but. Or thank yous or any of these things. We could talk about this for we a long time. We talked a little bit about it from the um, feature a few episodes ago about the Louise Penny mm-hmm. um, five keys to wisdom or four keys to wisdom or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. How important that is. But the idea is that modeling takes a lot of self-awareness. It takes a lot of connection. It takes a lot of trust and patience. But we believe that it is better for our child's learning better for our relationship, better for the moment to resist power struggles, confusion, um, embarrassment, shame, um, all of these things that can sometimes pop up or happen when we control instead of model. Yeah, but that takes a lot of rewriting of our basic beliefs, Mm -hmm. you know, to change our approach from controlling to modeling. It's totally counter counterintuitive. It goes against mainstream parenting culture absolutely yeah it totally does um but there are little ways to try it to go for it and see what happens i think it's one of those big trust fall things where you even in small moments say what would happen if i didn't say anything what would happen if i just let them learn from a little something and then explored it with them instead of telling them what's right and wrong Mm -hmm. you know yeah i also want our listeners to try what we've been doing, which is thinking about our childhood. Mm -hmm. And I think the ways that our parents went about it mattered, you know, sharing values and not just behaviors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, think about what you value now. Did you get that from an implicit or explicit source from your parents? Are there, we have friends who are like, because they lectured you enough times or because they invited you into their world to do whatever it was. But I think about our friends who are like, I'm never touching the piano again Mm -hmm. because I was made to do it. Yeah. Or, or or like can't, you know, clean up my room because I, I, there was such a power struggle around it that they didn't actually support my skill building around it and create a positive context and a positive value. I was just told to do it. And believe me, I still did it every time because I didn't want to lose, you know, I didn't want to be punished or given consequences or whatever it is, typical control methods. Um, But it doesn't work in the long term. The things that stick with us typically are the things that felt good. You know, loving baking because you have these memories of baking with your parent or going on walks or, mm-hmm. yeah. Or, you know, having a desire to help people, not because you were threatened if you don't help this person than this, but because you were guided and supported through an experience of yeah. seeing the value in it and the beauty in it. I just feel like 
we've really come to a place in this journey, which is ever evolving, ever growing journey of just being like, wow, we get to be growing our awareness and building our skills in trying to be our best selves Mm -hmm. all the time so that our kids can see that and try to be their best self, not a mini me, not the best self version two, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, but that we're pursuing you know, alignment and authenticity and all those curiosity and all those good things in the name of progress, not perfection. And that's the amazing thing of growing up alongside our kids is that we get to practice every single day, knowing that it's not just our spirit that's on the line and our happiness and fulfillment, but in some ways it's also this opportunity for our kids to experience that too. You know, like Susan Stiffelman said, the way we've respond to disappointment is how our kids likely will. The way we respond to sadness, and we're focusing obviously on all the hard stuff because it's a lot easier to model and lean into the good stuff. But you know, the way we respond to sadness- I model brunch really well. Right, is how our (laughs) kids likely will. The way we respond to accidents or fucking up or frustration is how our kids will treat themselves when they experience those yeah. things someday. So our our interactions, our support around these more challenging things becomes the inner voice of our children when they're doing it themselves. It oftentimes does. You know, I wonder myself, why am I beating myself up about this particular thing in my life? What, what beliefs do I have that are tied to my sense of self or my sense of worth, whether I do or don't do this thing? Like we can, we can trace that shit back, you know? Yeah. Um, so the idea with modeling is just, it's a power that we can be using instead of the more traditional methods of control, punishments, consequences, rewards, incentives, controlling, really trying to change what our kids are doing or saying for no reason, you know, beyond their safety. Um, and in the idea of honoring our spirit and really just being the best version of ourselves because I think control brings out the worst version of me personally and in the hopes that we can be honoring their spark, their internal voice, that they can be cultivating that so they can go into the world as teenagers and young adults and adults and older, older people, you know, being able to look within themselves to decide how they want to go about something, not just because I was told so or because I was too scared to do whatever or because I know I'll get in trouble. That, that is a, a way to move through the world, but it's, it's not connected to who we are. It's, it's not as fun. And I think know? that they'll hopefully have an awareness of how their actions and attitudes can affect the people around them mm-hmm. because we're all constantly modeling every single person. Mm-hmm. We talk about how spongy we are and we can go to the store and a person living their life slash modeling is, is hard on us to watch mm-hmm. and, and, and sticks on us. And yeah. you know, we're all interacting with each other constantly yeah. and we can be conscious of that. We can be true to ourselves and be conscious of our influence on other people around us mm-hmm. in a positive way, not in like a scary way. No, it, it can be a beautiful responsibility to have higher self-awareness for sure. Absolutely. Um, I have been reading um, The Yes Brain by Dan Siegel oh, yeah. and Tina Payne Bryson. And I love this um, part at the end. I just wanted to read this okay, to wrap us up here. Eudaimonia, honoring the spark within. 
This idea of the inner spark takes us back to the ancient Greek concept of eudaimonia, which referred to a life full of meaning, connection, and equanimity. The Greek word itself tells a yes brain story. The prefix eu means true or good. The term daemon or demon refers to the notion that we have an authentic inner spark or self, what the writer Elizabeth Lesser describes as an inner essence, a unique indwelling character of each person that is strong and luminous. As parents, we can be the guardians of our child's demon, his or her unique spark. And when you combine you with demon, you get eudaimonia, which is about the true and good life qualities that result from acknowledging and honoring our unique inner essence. Wouldn't you like your child ultimately to experience all that comes with an awareness of that inner essence as they mature into adulthood? As Lesser puts it, those in touch with their authenticity share similar traits. They are gentle and strong in equal measure. They are not overly concerned about what others think of them, and yet they are greatly concerned about the well-being of others. They are so in touch with themselves that they are open toward everyone. What a beautiful description of Yes Brain success. A yes brain approach to parenting is a way of being with each of your children that helps them develop this way of remaining in touch with their inner essence, cultivating this authentic internal compass. In Lesser's wise words, someone who has developed a strong awareness of and respect for this inner guide feels a sense of at-homeness, a lack of pretense, nothing overproduced, a wholeness. Imagine if you could set the stage in your parenting so that you could honestly offer your child this statement. Eventually, you will come to know with all your brain cells that your authentic self is the one thing you can trust the most. This yes brain stuff sounds kind of lofty, maybe a little intimidating. <laughs> well, I feel like this whole conversation or to maybe a annoying and ridiculous and obnoxious. I don't know how this is coming off with people. I think you and I do get a little bit earnest with these types of empowerment. A wee bit earnest. Do, how can we not though? <laughs> I, I want to be jokey and laughy about it. And, but I think it's, we're just, we take it seriously but because it's be- we care. It's right? because we care, but it's because we really care plus struggle with this stuff mm-hmm. so yeah. much. There is an undercurrent of, yeah. There is. And that yeah. this with knowing our influence and recognizing that we can be modeling instead of controlling is an example of like all of the other empowerments that we're working on and that we're doing every other week here, the practice of parenting for us in a huge way, which is that it's an inside job. And it's a process. It's a process. It's a it's daily, a daily opportunity, you know, that we don't get, that we don't nail every time. Well, but right? that, and as we said, that's the beauty of it is that we're not trying to be these perfect people for our kids. That's not what modeling is. And I think it, it gets that, that label. What mm. modeling is to us is, is embracing and becoming aware of our humanity and of our authentic inner spirits and moving through the world in an honest, open, graceful, humorous, thoughtful way so that our kids can be along for that ride and see what it is, what it looks like to grow up. You know, they're not just growing up, they're watching us grow up. And that is the biggest learning that they can do and the biggest gift we can give them. I love that. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on our conversation and twin talkiness. So DM us, call, email, or jot us a note through our website at upbringing.co. Lastly, you are doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. And we're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. So thanks for being here.
We're all growing up together. Till next time. And now for the lullaby bye portion of our show, created in the hopes of inspiring us all to personalize our song singing experience with our kids. Mm-hmm. Align our personal strife, our personal goals with our you personal know, joy. Yeah, all of those things yeah. with a soundtrack, a, a, a musical mantra that can keep us going. We basically got sick of all the standbys. Maybe mm-hmm. you're not sick of them. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Good um, for you. Yeah, but we started singing songs that we actually want to sing to our kids and that make us happy that, that as Marie Kondo would say, spark joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to sing this weekend? <sighs> There's a song by Phil. Which Phil? Phil Collins? My favorite Phil. Yeah. Oh, the Phil. The, the Phil Collins. Um, it's called Invisible Touch. And I think that it <laughs> it is pretty apropos for today, uh, for this well, episode. Yeah. Um, because this whole idea of modeling is around believing in and working on this invisible touch we have. This superpower, as you call it, Kelty. I really do think of it as a superpower. And it makes me think of what it looks like to be a superhero where you're like just showing up on the scene of a, an accident and everyone's like, Oh, they just walked up here and you're like, I moved mountains to get to the train to and whatever. All these things. Yeah. No, nobody knows what the effort you went through to and actually Lois is like, why do you all look sweaty? Clark? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you have no fucking idea what yeah. I just did. Laid back superheroes. Yeah. But it, it makes me think Han mm-hmm. about, um, our friend Lane and like so many of our parenting conversations with her, we like totally go and deep dive mm-hmm. and she made this She's gorgeous amazing. piece of art that we put up on our, um, Instagram stories recently that said something like based on our mantra that we sent her, right? Progress over perfection, responding over reacting, trust over fear and invisible touch over control. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yes, that. That is modeling, modeling and knowing our influence yeah. and what we can be doing instead of controlling. And it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. When was the first time we heard this song? I don't know. As kids, as kids I would yeah. imagine. <coughs> I didn't see the music video until you showed it to me recently. I feel like it's from the Genesis oh, era of mom yeah. and dad, really. Mm-hmm. Road trips and yeah. to in California, oh, desert the, mountains. But a, couple, a few weeks ago, I did show you the video and it's, Awesome. It looks like they just like went back on a soundstage before a show and were just like fucking around with the mics and doing all this crazy yeah. stuff. It's really good. It was perfectly imperfect. I mean, yeah. that's just what we've been talking Another about. Another metaphor just, for parenting. Yeah, for sure. exactly. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Okay. Um, How long have you been singing it to the, to the kiddies or just one of them? On and off. I feel like I had... Did we have the CD in our car or something for a little while? So I had that going when I was driving. And then a lot of times when I hear stuff when I'm driving, then it'll be in my head and then I'll end up singing it for a lullaby. I'm really looking forward to hearing you kind of slow it down because it's pretty peppy. It is very energetic. And I think it has that energy too of the invisible touch going both ways. The metaphor is kind of neat where you and I are talking about invisible touch as far as the influence that we have on our kids. Mm -hmm. But I I feel like the invisible touch that this song talks about too is the influence that they have over us. Our kids. Yes. That, that my baby that I'm holding right now has hold of my heart, you know, that she'll mess up my life. And it's all mysterious and, and slowly tearing us apart. Yes. (laughs) That That it is a very dramatic, beautiful thing. And that that can be upbeat and, and, 
and kind of glorious and that it can also be slowed down to be sentimental. It can be sentimentalized too. Yeah. But that it's all just a game. I like that part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Go. Okay. But really go. Well, I've been waiting, waiting here so long, but thinking nothing, nothing could go wrong. But now I know she has the built-in ability to take everything she sees. And now it seems I'm falling, falling for her. She seems to have an invisible touch. She reaches in and grabs right hold of your heart. She seems to have an invisible touch. It takes control and slowly tears you apart. I don't really know her, I only know her name. But she crawls under your skin, you're never quite the same. And now I know that she's got something you just can't trust. It's something mysterious. And now it seems I'm falling, falling for her. She seems to have an invisible touch, yeah. She reaches in and grabs right hold of your heart. She seems to have an invisible touch, yeah. It takes control and slowly tears you apart. 